0: We are in 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you're using a pew Bible this morning, that's page 996. We're reading from chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord.
1: As you see that text this morning, you read down just a few more verses into chapter 4. And Paul says this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. You remember in other places Paul wrote that uh, he wasn't quite sure whether he was going to go or stay. In fact, in other texts he says, I think I'm going to stay for your benefit and your joy in the faith. We we preach through that at other times. But, But this time it was different. This time Paul knew that his time of departure was not far off. And so when he writes the words about guarding the deposit a couple of different times in these pastoral epistles he's not he's not blowing smoke. He's not playing games. He realizes I'm going to be gone here in just a few days or weeks. And he's entrusting Timothy with the charge to guard the deposit, you can you can sense the emotion he must have felt. I mean, he he writes here, he you you know my persecutions and my sufferings. Uh, he's thinking about all that he suffered for the sake of Christ, all that he's endured to to guard that deposit. He talks about fighting the good fight, but now it's time to lay down the fight. It's time to go to be with his master who interrupted him on the Damascus Road, his treasure, Christ. And he's turning over the reins to Timothy. Guard the deposit. Guard the deposit. We've talked about what it means for us in this day and age to guard the deposit. I think we guard the deposit by, by being careful about the gospel not losing the gospel, not losing the message, not losing the deposit, getting it clear and right. We've talked about in the last days about we guard the deposit by guarding the mission of the, of the church. Getting the mission right. And one of the things we said about the mission is that we're given a great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go, in, go into all the world. Be willing to suffer persecutions and, and uh, deprivations and take this gospel to the world. That, that's the commission that Jesus gave us. He left to go. So, so the mission is about going to win people to Christ. To, to go to people who don't worship this God now and tell them about the glory of this God so they will worship. Missions exist, as we said, because worship doesn't. They don't see this God for who He is. And so we're going to tell them about the glory of this God and all that He is in the face of Christ, what this table represents to us. Paul talked about enduring all things for the sake of the elect, as we talked about in Second Timothy just these last couple of weeks. He says this, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation of That is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So the mission of the church is to go. So we need to guard that mission. And and we must do it. We must do it. or, Or we will not guard the deposit. It won't get passed on to other generations if we don't go. It will die out in not going. So we must go. But one of the things we've talked about in these last weeks is... We we guard we, we, we protect it by guarding the mission and the mission is to go and make sure we go. But we also guard it by guarding the methodology of the mission of how you go. The, the method by which you go I think is, is as important as the going. Because like we said last week as we commissioned Dr. Heather Anderson at this altar, um, if If someone goes with the wrong methodology, I mean, if they go because they are somehow saving their soul by going, I mean, they might not say that, but they they function that way. They, They go because they think for the sake of saving their own soul, they've got to share this message. It won't ring true. They'll talk about the glory of a God who is not glorious to them and that is not the way to go to the nations that's not the way to get people to worship it won't ring true or maybe they go because it's the heroic thing to do it's it's the adventurous thing to do it's 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 on the cutting edge of of adventure and going and we go for heroic reasons. Again, it won't work because it won't last. It, it won't last. Disillusion will set in and we won't go effectively. So last week we talked about the methodology of going. How, how do we send people out? How do we go? Because we must go. But what, if you will, is the fuel of that going? What needs to fuel it? Heroics? No. Guilt? No. Rather, what needs to fuel it is Christ. The magnificence of Christ. The glory of God that we have seen in the face of Christ. What this table represents to us must be the fuel for the going. And we're 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 going out of that posture. That's what will ring true to the nations. That's you you can't declare something glorious that is not first glorious to you. And how do you see it as glorious? The method I think God has given us is that Christ is magnified. As as He is magnified to us, then we go. That's our vision statement. We exist to magnify Jesus Christ. That's what we exist for, really. In a sense, you could put the period there of what our part is. The rest of that, really, is is the result of existing for that purpose—to magnify Christ, to 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 declare Him as glorious as we can declare Him um, in our in our f- in our inadequacies. That we can magnify Christ. Because the rest of that is God's work that people might see. That's, that's the work of God. And and savor, I think, even that is the work of God in a person who has first seen the glory, has come to life and seen it. God works in them to will and to, to savor. And, and then to declare is the result of seeing something to declare. All of that flows out of the first. So we exist as a church to magnify Christ. And if we use any other motivation to go, it it will not last or it will not ring true one or the other. And so our methodology is to magnify Christ, to exalt Him. That's to be the fuel. That has to be the fuel of the going. It's the only fuel that will sustain long term. It's the only fuel that will make the going ring true to the nations or to our neighbor. Now, I fundamentally operate from that. That's what I've talked about the last couple of weeks. That's a core value to me. A core value to me on Sunday morning is... I come as your pastor to magnify what this table represents. To magnify Christ. That—that That is my calling on Sunday mornings as we gather in this place. To magnify Him. The rest of it is God's work. The rest of it is what He does as we lift up those means. We magnify Him. So the question is, is that the right core value? Am I right? If I'm not, we need to do something different. L- let, me, let me give an example of what I'm talking about here. Sometimes I'm, I'm asked in a different realm a bit, but it, same vein. Why don't you talk about stewardship more? Why don't you talk about giving more? I, I, don't, I don't do that. I don't, I don't preach a series of messages every January on stewardship, on giving. I fundamentally operate from the premise. This is that core value. It's the same thing. I, I, I fundamentally operate from this belief that if Christ is magnified, if we see Christ as the treasure that He is, those things will take place. That that will cause that to happen. The same way that I believe in the issue of going to the nations. If, if I magnify Christ, the, the result of that will be that people will, as they see it, will declare Him. They will declare Him to their neighbor. They will declare Him to, their, to the nations, Whatever God wherever God may lead them. That's, that's just the outgrowth of Christ being magnified. As He is magnified and lifted up, people see Him and savor Him as the treasure of their life. And so because they see him and savor him as a treasure, they want to share that treasure with others. Isn't that what the parable of the treasures is? A man found a treasure. Went and sold all the He, he want to tell about treasure. You want to talk about the treasure of your life. You will talk about what is most important. You will do that. We'll do it different ways. We have different personalities. But if he truly is a treasure, and you you will talk about that treasure. I think also, if he is a treasure, it will affect your treasure. It just affects it. It affects the way you deal with your treasure because that's not your treasure anymore. It's not your treasure because you found another treasure that trumps it. And so it affects how you deal with what was your treasure. You see, I, I think We lift up Christ. We magnify Christ. We exist to magnify Him. Core value. That's why we design the worship service the way we design it here. And certainly you're looking for better ways and more effective ways to magnify Christ. But it is about magnifying Him so that other things happen, but they happen spontaneously from Him being our treasure. affects lots of other areas we could talk about. But now, the question is, it's core value. Is it, is it a right core value? Is it the right thing? I, I think again, as I go to the text, it's what I see. It's what I see in the epistles. It's, what I, it's the way I see Paul motivating Timothy. He, he used the right fuel to be the motivation. He didn't use some artificial kind of motivation. He didn't guilt trip Timothy. Into it. I mean, you can you can guilt trip people into anything, short term. You can do that. I, I remember a man. It, it sent chills down my body. But I remember he he was a uh, he was a pastor who who I had known a number of years ago, and many people knew him, and and he was a very visible pastor. Um, had a very visible platform as a pastor. And, and he once just just made an arrogant statement it was, a, it, it was an arrogant statement, but an incredibly dangerous statement, that I, can, "I can get people to do anything." And, and to be honest, he had a manipulative ability in his ability to speak, that he did get people to do lots of things. But it ends up not long-term. And it turns up rotten when it's that kind of thing. It, it It is not the way the Bible speaks. The Bible speaks of this, of what this table represents, magnifying it to, to the bride. And out of that then flows what ought to happen. Not perfectly. We're sinful fallen people. But that's... That's the fuel. That must be the fuel. I think it's why Jesus said don't, don't not do this. Do it do it in remembrance of me. I might be magnified that people will be reminded of what, what I did. Now, now look at the places where I see that. I saw it I saw it the last couple of weeks in chapter two of Second Timothy. Here in verse eight it says, and Paul is saying just before Just before, he talks about enduring everything for the sake of the elect, for those yet to come into the kingdom. He endures all kinds of hardship. But the motivation for Timothy is not a guilt trip about how hard he worked. That's just a statement. What What he says is, "Remember to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Remember what this represents. Now in our text this morning, in our text today, again, this, the same kind of thing. Same kind of thing he says. Look there. In verse fifteen, he, he talks about some of the persecution, sufferings that people who who go will suffer, but but the remedy and the, the way to keep keeping on, the way to endure in the midst of those difficulties, he says this in verse fourteen but as for you, as for you, continue in what you've learned and what you firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, for Christ Jesus. Remember, Timothy. Remember. He's calling his mind to go back. Go back to his grandmother and to his mother. Who must have opened the sacred writings, which would have been the Old Testament. The Old Testament. And God had opened the eyes of his grandmother and his mother to see that the Old Testament was a story about Jesus Christ. And they must have connected dots for Timothy as he was growing up and showed him again and again in various places in those sacred writings. Because it says, remember what you have learned and how from childhood you have been acquainted with those writings which are able to make you wise for salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, there's no mention, per se, of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. We don't ever see that name there. But they showed him how it pointed toward the Christ. How all of the Old Testament hung together And how the sacred writings pointed to the coming of Christ. But it wasn't just his grandmother and his mother. It was Paul as well. Remember what you have been taught. He was taught by his grandmother. He was taught by his mother. He was also taught by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul taught him of how the Old Testament, how the sacred writings were about this Christ about who this table represents. And it was that, it was that that Paul appeals to now. Remember that, Timothy. That was the fuel. Remember the magnificence of Jesus Christ as He's seen in the Old Testament and now revealed to us in this day. Paul goes on, it's interesting in here. He he changes. He says, Remember the sacred writings which make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And then he goes, All Scripture. I think, I think that change there, he goes from sacred writings to all scripture. I think the inference is he's beginning now to bring in the New Testament. All scripture. Paul never per se um, says directly, I'm writing scripture. Others did. Others talked about Paul's writing as Scripture. Um, look, uh, look with me in the book of, of uh, First Peter for a minute. Second Peter, actually. If you don't need to turn that, just let me read it to you. This is, this is Peter, the Apostle Peter, writing about Paul. Now, he says this, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. As he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do what? The other scriptures. Peter is equating what Paul wrote. As scripture, He's equating what Paul wrote with the sacred writings of the Old Testament. Um, there are other places where, where we get that whole idea as well in Scripture. Even in Timothy, um, you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. And here Paul is writing, though he doesn't directly come out and say, I'm writing words of Scripture. This is, this is an interesting thing that he says in verse 18. He says, for the Scripture says... Paul's writing says, For the scripture says, And then he says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. An Old Testament reference. But he doesn't stop. He says, And the laborer deserves his wages. He equated an Old Testament text as scripture, which doesn't surprise anybody, the sacred writings. But he ties it to a New Testament saying of Jesus. Jesus. In the Gospels. You see, the idea when Paul is talking about all Scripture, all Scripture here in this text, he's bringing in the New Testament now. And what Paul must have done for Timothy, just like his grandmother and just like his mother did, is, is they took the Old Testament and again and again they showed how the Old Testament was pointing ahead to Christ. And then Paul comes along and the revelations that God gave to him, which Paul would talk about those revelations that came from God, that he was now passing on. Again, were the connections. The connections for, for, for Timothy to see those Old Testament passages in a new way. Seeing that they reveal Jesus Christ. And the scripture says, continue in what you have been convinced of and what it was about what was all that about it was seeing it was seeing the majesty of Christ it was seeing Christ being magnified as he looked at those scriptures beginning to see that all of this book all of the sacred writings of the old testament were pointing to him that is an incredibly important thing it's it's so important that we see this book as one story and one story about Christ. In fact, that we read it that way. That we read it that way. Looking for ways in which the Old Testament pointed forward. The the, the Scriptures are are a progressive revelation of God's redemption. Now that doesn't mean they change. They don't change. But that revelation is progressively given. It progressively comes to us. And, and that revelation is, comes to its apex in the cross. It, it, it comes to its understanding, its full understanding and completeness in the cross and the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. All that's been written, all that's been written comes together in that. I hope that you know what it is to see that more and more. In fact, that's what I think magnifying Christ is about. When when I talk about us coming together and the burden that I feel as your pastor is that I magnify Christ. I magnify Christ through you seeing Him more and more in this book. That's what I believe gives you the stability and the strength for the long term to go. And and you need regular doses of it along the way. One of the things we prayed for Heather as we commissioned her is that, that she would see more and more of the glory of God in the face of Christ. She will need that to sustain her in going. We won't go. We won't declare to the nations except we have regular doses of seeing the glory of God in the face of Christ in different places, in different ways throughout the Scripture. We must see it. We must have happen, if if you will, and then we're going to come to the table. Turn with me to to Luke chapter twenty four. This this is this is pertaining right to this, what we're doing right here this morning. It just leads us right into it. You need more and more to have happened what happened here. This was after the resurrection. This was on the road to Emmaus. This is this is in the midst of all that was swirling around now. Jesus had had been crucified. He'd been laid in the tomb. There were rumors swirling around that the tomb was empty. And here we pick up the story on the road to Emmaus. Jesus comes up alongside a couple of the disciples. And uh, He engages them and they don't recognize Him. They don't recognize Him in His post-resurrection body here. They don't, they don't recognize it's Jesus, and Jesus is walking along with them. And this is what it says He did. He, he says to them, first of all, O foolish ones, in verse 25, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? What He's saying is all of that makes all of what in the sacred writings makes sense. It all comes together in that. It was all talked about there. It was all foreshadowed there. But then he says this, and beginning with Moses, the scripture says, and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I've said to you before, if there was anything that I would have wanted to hear Jesus talk about, it's right there. It's right there. To to have been able to hear what he expounded there. I, I, I just can't imagine what that would have been like. Now look what happens. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, at the table with them, he took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And what happened? Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then they made this comment Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? while He opened what? The Scriptures. The Scriptures. The sacred writings. The sacred writings that Timothy was admonished to remember. The the fuel. The fuel, the means. The means to magnify Christ is the Word. To, to lift Him up in the Word. The the fuel is us seeing in the Word the things that they saw there. The things that made their heart burn. And and the same will happen to us as we see that. As Christ is magnified, my contention is as Christ is magnified and and we see that through the Word, He's magnified through the means of the Word, so we magnify Him through the means of the Word, our hearts burn. The the fuel to go. We see the glory of God in the face of God of Christ. I believe that's the means God has and it's a bit it's a bit like this illustration that I've heard from another the 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 word would be a fighter jet here and the holy spirit would be another fighter jet and if you've seen some of those air shows where they just fly in absolute tandem the word the word the scriptures and the holy spirit flies and wherever that word goes, the Holy Spirit comes, God comes, and, and magnifies that and, and causes people to see Christ in that word. But if, if that word lands, if the word lands, if the word is not used, the Scriptures are not used, they fly in tandem, so the Holy Spirit lands. I think that's why the Scripture says, Worship me in spirit and in truth. You you have to do them together. You can't just do it in spirit. You have to have the truth. The truth is the means by which Christ is magnified by the Holy Spirit. The the role of the Holy Spirit is to magnify Christ. And the way we are given the means to magnify Christ is in the Word. It's in the Scriptures. That's why the admonition to Timothy. And the scripture says to Timothy in this text that, that if you do that, if you remember the sacred writings, that they're, they're, they're profitable and they will equip you for every good work. They will equip you for every good work. They will be the means to magnify Christ so that that propels you. It's so important now we're going to come to this table so so let me just give you something practically this week for me in the scriptures i i've been i've been reading about covenants just reading about covenants and and something that that strengthened my heart to come to you to magnify christ to you this morning and to talk about this with with passion is what i saw in in the Old Testament, and what I was reminded in the Old Testament is that we have the first Adam, first Adam in the garden, first Adam failed, and and then an, another type of Adam comes along. Noah, Noah is a type of Adam, but but Noah does some right things, but Noah also doesn't do it perfectly. In fact, there's some pretty seedy stuff about Noah in the Scriptures. And so then, a little later, along comes Abraham, another type of Adam. And Abraham, another covenant. And and we have Abraham's life, but Abraham does... Some foolish, sinful things. Abraham tells everybody that his wife is his sister. So that they don't kill Abraham. I mean, why, is the scripture, why does the Scripture have that? Why does the Scripture have the seedy stuff about Noah? Why does the Scripture have the seedy stuff about Abraham? And then we have David. A man after God's own heart. Another type of Adam who comes And look what Adam, or look what David does. He commits adultery, and to cover up his adultery, he has a, the, the husband of the wife he committed it with killed. So he commits adultery, and he commits murder. Why is it in the Scripture? Why the seedy stuff about Noah? Why the seedy stuff about Abraham? Why the seedy stuff about David? Have you ever wondered that? because they're a type of Adam, but they're not enough. It's only in the second Adam a man named Jesus Christ. A man. Jesus had to become a man. Fully man. Fully God, but fully man. Another man enters the scene. You see the glory of that? God took on human flesh to be in the line of Adam, and Noah, and Abraham, and David. But this time, there's no seedy stuff. This time, there's not another side of the story. This time, there's not a man who's after God's heart and then the other chapter. This time, there's no other chapter. This time, this man whom this table represents confirmed in righteousness all who will look to Him. He provides a righteousness because He lived perfectly. He becomes the true second Adam. First Adam and all of the types failed. Second Adam succeeds Jesus Christ. A man so that we can come to this table and see the glory of God in the face of Christ, this man, who is also God. You see, that's the kind of thing that we magnify Christ. Our souls are strengthened. Timothy, remember the sacred writings. Church, remember often gospel let's pray father help us help us as a church to not only be about the mission but the mission with the correct methodology the methodology of regularly regularly seeing the glory of God in the face of Christ help us as pastoral staff help us as leaders of this body to not just talk about existing to magnify Christ, but to truly exist to magnify Jesus Christ so people will see and savor and declare that glory to others. Lord, help us to be strengthened now from this table and all that it represents to us. In Jesus' name.